Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, picking up with verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, picking up with verse 13. Title of the message, Sometimes You Get What You Want. First Thessalonians 2, beginning with verse 13. Paul says, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they, also, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Let's pray. O oh Lord, may we be thankful for the things that we ask for, that you give us. May we be equally grateful for the things that we ask for and you don't. And though we may not understand the different circumstances in which you may not act like we would think you would, remind us, Lord, that you are able to see around the next curve and the curve after that and the hill after that and the curve after that for an infinity. While we ourselves cannot even see around the first curve. But Lord, give us encouragement by the experience of a Hall of Famer whose prayers met many of the same responses that do ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Sean Gilbert, professional football star who during the 90s played football for the Washington Redskins. Uh, he was a high-paid football player. If some of you like, were like me, you... Uh, instead of taking your nap this afternoon, you watched the Falcons, or you may have watched some other professional football game on television, and during some part of that game, while you were rooting for the Falcons, at least I hope you're rooting for the Falcons, uh, you probably thought about how much money even the least of those players was making just in those four 15-minute quarters today. An astronomical sum 
of money that would take most of us years upon years of normal work to also earn. They earn, many of them, even in a single week. Sean Gilbert was one of those. He was well paid. But even though he was well paid, he got mad right before the 1997 season. And he sat out and refused to play for the Washington Redskins during the 1997 season because they only offered him $20 million over the next five years to play for the Redskins. Now, that's a lot of money. It was a lot of money then, even more money then than it is now, but it's a lot of money, period. $20 million even over five years. The reason he turned it down was not because it was not a great sum of money, but because it was $1 million a year less than what he said God had told him he was going to be offered. He'd been praying about it, and in a revelation, a vision, he said that God told him that the Redskins were going to offer him a five-year contract worth $25 million. And so when they came back with an offer of $20 million, believing that he was on God's side, he refused to play. Sometimes we get what we ask for, and of course sometimes... We don't. Have you ever asked God for something, something that you knew was in God's will, and you got it? Well, sure you can remember that. Uh, Certainly, we wouldn't have to think back too far when we asked God for something and God gave it. May have even given it exactly as we wanted it. But here's another question that you know is coming. Have you ever asked God for something that you knew equally was God's will? And you didn't get it. For many of us, it's going to be easier to answer that question than the first question. The fact of the matter is, as you well know, we all well know that there are times when we ask God for something and he gives it to us. There are times when we ask God for something and he does not give it to us, even though we're absolutely certain that it is God's will that we have it. There are other times when we ask for something and God gives us what we want and yet gives it to us in ways that we don't want at the same time. I remember when Merrill Jenkins needed a kidney. And every one of us, we were praying that he'd get a kidney. And he got a kidney. But he didn't like where it came from. I wouldn't have either. Paul also had this experience. The experience of asking for something, and sometimes God give it, and the experience, on the other hand, of asking for something, and God said no. Now, folks, listen, we're talking about Hall of Fame person here. We're talking about someone who, wherever, you know, the football Hall of Fame's in Canton, and the baseball Hall of Fame's in Cooperstown, and the golf Hall of Fame is in St. Augustine, the spiritual Hall of Fame, I guess, is in heaven, and, Hall, and Paul certainly is, is in one of the biggest in, uh, monuments in that uh, museum, if there is such a museum, probably not. If there was, he would be. And yet he, just like you and I, had the experience of asking God for things, and not getting them. We see some of those things right here in, second Thessalon- in 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter, beginning with verse 13. 
Let's start out with a couple of things that he asked for and he did receive. Paul tells us that he prayed for the the people at Thessalonica that they would receive the word, the word of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God granted him what Paul asked for. Verse 13, we thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. You received it and you accepted it. They not only heard it, they not only listened to it, they, they openly embraced it and they made it their own. Paul prayed that they would receive the word and they did it. God gave Paul what he prayed for. Another thing that this passage tells us that Paul prayed for and that God gave him, he prayed that the Thessalonians would persevere in the face of opposition. And again, God gave Paul what he asked for. The Bible says here in verse 14, he says, for you brothers and sisters became imitators of God's churches back in Judea who are in Christ Jesus. And here's the way that they were imitators of those churches in Judea. You suffered from your own people, the same things that those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. You suffered from those people who displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles. But reading between the lines, it is pretty clear that those opposers, those opponents of the gospel were not successful in what they tried to do. Paul had prayed for the Thessalonians that they would persevere in the face of this opposition, that they would receive the word and not just receive the word, but also grow in their relationship with that word. And God granted that request. No doubt Paul prayed for every one of his churches. There are about, I think, 14, 13, 14 letters in the New Testament that Paul penned, writing most of them to churches, some of them to young pastors who were pastors of some of the churches that Paul had started and then left under their care. And Paul prayed for these churches, and he prayed for these young pastors like Timothy and Titus, and God granted him what, they, what he had prayed for. But God didn't always grant Paul what he prayed for. No doubt Paul also, as we look at this passage, certainly he had prayed not only for the Thessalonians, but don't you know, even though he doesn't just say it here, that he had prayed for the troublemakers. Doesn't it just make sense if there is a troublemaker in your life that one of your first lines of defense, one of your first lines of response is to turn that person over to the Lord. Pray for that person. Listen, you may not be able to do anything with them, but the Lord certainly can. They may not be able to do anything with you, but certainly they they know that the Lord can do something with you. Now, Paul realized that God's patience runs out. Romans chapter 1 talks about people who just continue and continue in sin, even though God continues to reach out to them. But Paul says in that chapter in Romans 1 that there came a time with these certain people where God decided that's it. And he gave up. He gave them over to their reprobate minds, Paul says. 
In verse 16 here in 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, in these opponents' effort to keep us from speaking uh, to the Gentiles, they were hostile to everyone and they displeased God. He said they always heap up their sins to the limit. You hear the limit? The word limit? There's a limit. I don't know where the limit is. I'm glad that God doesn't let us set it. When he sets it, it's, it's a lot further out than where I would set it. I'm thankful for that. But that doesn't mean the fact that he sets it way out there further than I would doesn't, doesn't mean that there's not a limit to God's patience. He says there's a limit and the next sentence is a tragic one. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But you just got to know. You just got to know a man like Paul, a godly man like Paul, he prayed for his enemies. He believed in what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. He said, he said, when you're persecuted, bless those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies and those who would spitefully use you and abuse you. That's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You know Paul had heard that sermon. He had read that sermon. You know that he had access to those words from being around Peter and some of the other apostles. No doubt Paul prayed for the troublemakers to come to their senses, but they did not. You see, there are some things that we can ask God for that involve the decisions of other people. And, and here's what, I, here's what I, I think is true about God. God will not always overrule your free will. I think I can say that. God will not always overrule your free will. It's not that he can't, but most of the time, maybe all the time, but certainly most of the time, he, he chooses not to. I, you can pray for me. If you see me in some, some obvious sin, you can pray for me until your knees are, are, are blue with bruises and calluses, and God will hear your prayer, and he will woo me, and he will try to get uh, me to come to my senses, but ultimately, he's not going to override my free will to commit those terrible things that I'm committing. There are times when I wished he had. Paul prayed for the troublemakers to come to their senses, but they did not. And here's another thing that we definitely know Paul prayed for. After he left the church at Thessalonica, and some scholars believe that he'd only been there a few weeks to begin with, so he hadn't even been there long enough to get his feet wet. And then he left in a hurry. And after some time had passed, he wanted to go back. And God said, no. God, will you let me go back? You know how they need my leadership over. You know how they, I, 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 they, they may need my leadership, but I certainly need to see how they're going. No. God, will you please let me go just for a glance? Just ride down the interstate. I won't even stop. I'll roll down my window and see how they're doing just from a distance. No. Look at verse 17. Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, even though you were still in our thoughts, out of an intense longing, we made every effort to see you. We wanted to come to you. Certainly I did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. 
Boy, that's an unusual verse, isn't it? How in the world could Satan block your way from doing what you fully believe is God's will? Paul was asking to be able to go to Thessalonica. Satan was opposing him from going to Thessalonica. God said, no. This was not an unfamiliar situation for Paul. If you look back in the book of Acts, chapter uh, number 16, the Bible says uh, in Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 6, Paul and his companions travel throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Lord, we want to go to Asia, be the first people to preach in Asia. No, no. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Lord, we'd like to go to Bithynia. They've never heard the word of there. Can we go? No. Nope. It's unusual. Verse 9, but during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once, concluding that that was where God was calling us to go. God says no so that he can say yes. I think of another place where Paul prayed for something and... He prayed for it diligently. In fact, I don't know that he was all too sure that uh, he couldn't change God's mind. Have you ever thought you might be able to do that? And so you pray for something and God doesn't give it to you. And after a while you think, I'm going to try it again. I believe I can convince him this time. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassingly great revelations I was experiencing, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And so three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. Three times I pleaded with him to take it away. And God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so Christ's power may rest in me. Lord, take this messenger of Satan away from me. No. Let me try it again. Lord, will you take this messenger of Satan away from me? No. Three times. We've all had that experience. It just encourages me that Paul did too. You know, I don't know. I'm just crazy that way, I guess. Uh, you've had the experience of asking God for something or at least desiring that God would do something, heal somebody, uh, give you something, bless somebody. Uh, we've, we've been, most of us who've been in this church for the last decade, for the most of that time, we've been praying a good bit most every day that God would send us down about a mile down. And we've got part of the asphalt there. <laughs> he said, well, yeah, partly. For now. I believe it's going to be a yes, but right now it's yes, partly, for now. Got some work to do yet. And what I found out is whether it's yes or no, a yes or a no answer from God is preparation for the next answer from God. 
Thomas Merton was a Trappist monk, a writer. He was one of those type, type folks who would stay to himself for days on end, just, just alone with God. I don't recommend that for everybody, but I do recommend a little of it for everybody. But Thomas Merton was called to it. And he expresses the uncertainty of life and the quest for light at the end of the tunnel. And here's what he comes to one day in a prayer. He says, my Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I ever do. Jim Elliott, who was missionary killed in South America by some Natives who later were won to Christ by uh, his wife and some other missionary friends of his. Jim Elliott said this. He says, the will of God is always bigger than we bargain for. And of course, there's that wonderful group of theologians, the Rolling Stones. Who in one of their songs wrote these lyrics. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find. You just might find. You get what you need. I know that's the Rolling Stones. That's pretty good stuff. I found that to be true. Have you? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, help us to understand your nose and trust you in the face of your nose just as surely as we celebrate your yeses. And Lord, may we all live long enough to know the feeling of appreciating sometime in the past when you said no. <laughs> There's one thing, Lord, we know that you'll always say yes to. And that is a lost person who comes to you for salvation. For you promised us in your word that every person who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is no no to that person who deep in her heart or deep in his heart comes longing for the salvation that comes from our Lord. And Father, at the end of every service, our prayer is for the salvation of a lost soul. We pray that now. In Jesus' name, amen.